Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 38. I would say that the cat is out of the bag. The, the world is hurtling towards the return of Jesus Christ. And that's no longer speculative. I don't feel it's speculation anymore. You know, we always preface our statement that it looks like the, like end, the times. end times by saying, you know, you can't say for sure. And, and I'm not a date setter, and I don't know for sure I get it. But, I mean, if this is not the last days, then God is really missing a great opportunity. And he's playing with our heads because every detail is falling into place. And one of the most profound in the immediate headlines, of course, is the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. And that is a prophetic reality. I want to consider it with you this morning and help you get your head around what's going on over there. So if you have your Bibles Open with me to Ezekiel 38, we're beginning with verse 1. The word of the Lord came came to me. Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, this is the sovereign Lord. Uh, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will be with them, all the shields and helmets, also Gomer with all its troops, and Beth Togarma, from the far north with all its troops, the many nations with you. We'll stop right there and we'll be looking at further passages as we work our way through this. Let's pray. Father, we want to have discernment. You've given us so many prophetic truths, God, so that we can be informed, so that we can know the day of your coming is at hand, God, that we will will not be found unprepared, but we will prepare ourselves uh, as a bride prepares herself for the groom. I pray, God, that your spirit have right of way in this service, that hearts would be moved, uh, minds would be enlightened, God. You would have your way in all of us by your word and by your spirit. And if there are any that are not saved or any, God, that, that are Uh, playing with God and uh, uh, half in and half out. I pray, God, that you will lay hold of them and bring them fully online with the kingdom of God, that they will cease their foolishness and they will be aware, God, that their time is at hand. I pray your grace abound in this service in Jesus' name. 
And everyone said, Amen. Now, I don't claim to be a prophet. I'm simply a man who studies the Bible and who reads a lot, and I pray a lot, and I read uh, headlines, and I, as I said, I'm not a date fixer, and I'm not a sensationalist, and I'm not jumping on some kind of bandwagon. I simply have arrived at some conclusions. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Because we are genuinely poised on the threshold of the rapture. That is Jesus Christ's return for his church that will usher in seven years of tribulation under a major worldwide authoritarian figure, the Antichrist. Any of you that cannot sense the authoritarian takeover that's happening in the last two years, you're unconscious. You're living under a rock somewhere. You don't pay attention to anything that's going on. In, in every nation of the world, authoritarianism has risen to the, to the peak, to the pinnacle. It's never been like this ever in the world, especially not in America. But North America, Canada, Trudeau, he's flaming out of his mind. Zig Heil Trudeau. It's, a, it's madness what's going on in so many democracies, including our own. And what is going on in Russia and the Ukraine is incomprehensible apart from Ezekiel 38 and its place in prophecy. Now, Russia has always been aggressive. It has always been an authoritarian state. But what is happening right now, especially in its decision to invade Ukraine, is prophetic. There's no logical rationale for the war that is raging there today. There are tons of theories. You can't pay attention, you can't read the, the internet or, or uh, listen to all the various pundits and talking heads uh, that have risen up with their theories. Uh, every kind of theory you can imagine is out there right now. There's the globalist theory that Putin is being set up by the globalists to fail ultimately to die because he's a nationalist that stands in the way of their global aspirations. And I don't doubt that they do want him removed, which oddly puts the leftists and the globalists and the media and Soros and the elite on the side that is rooting for Ukraine. And that makes it feel awkward, doesn't it? It makes it feel odd. It's like all of a sudden we're in agreement with people who are uh, avowed enemies of Christ and his church and of democracy, and yet they are rooting for Ukraine for the very simple reason that they want Putin to be taken out. And all this really is, is a convergence of the elitist and the global mindset with events that I don't believe they really had anything to do with, uh, but now we're all on the same kind of page rooting for Ukraine for different reasons. It's simply a, an aligning of events. It's not a global conspiracy. They could not have arranged uh, Putin's invasion of the Ukraine simply because they don't have clout over him. He's his own man, and he doesn't listen to the elitists, unlike uh, Biden. Okay, and so that theory doesn't really wash. It no doubt aligns. It's part of a picture, but it isn't what's really happening. 
there is the, the Biden cover-up theory. We all know that he and his son have not only received massive, massive amounts of money, Biden and his son, this is not speculation, this is not global conspiracy, this is fact. It's, uh, it's everywhere in the news, it's everywhere. Uh, they try to hide it, but you can't. So we understand that the... Uh, uh, corrupt oligarchs uh, and the, the politicians that are the power players in Ukraine uh, uh, are all in cahoots. And uh, so one theory is that they, they actually are creating their own crises, that Zelensky, who is in bed with these men, has, has done this to cover up uh, all of the shady dealings and all of the monetary, uh, the money laundering and uh, all of the corruption that has been going on there for years, that this now is a way to cover up all of that. Uh, that, ha that is very difficult to explain when it's Russian tanks moving into the Ukraine. Zelensky didn't manipulate Russian tanks or Russian bombers or Russian bombs, and he's not blowing up his own country. I don't doubt that he's burning a lot of evidence. But it still doesn't explain why did Russia invade the Ukraine. They didn't do it at the behest of Zelensky. That's conspiracy theory. There's the distraction theory that the whole wag the dog situation is simply uh, uh, the media and the leftist uh, uh, effort to distract America from very serious problems we're having at home, distract us from the Durham investigation, distract us uh, from the exposure of the Clintons, the COVID-19 fraud, the Hunter Biden crimes, uh, or any of the other current scandals that are going on. So all of this is just a, a media distraction. Get us looking over here so we don't pay attention to any of this. I don't think that works because the bottom line is we're still very much aware of all of this. And it's just one more thing on the pile of poop that has been dropped upon our generation. I don't think that that makes sense, and I don't really think it's, it's a, a logical reality uh, that somehow they could hope to bury things with, an, with, with a geopolitical event. It simply doesn't really make a lot of sense. There's the theory that Putin has legitimate claims to the support uh, uh, to support parts of the Ukraine. We know that there was a separatist movement that has been there for quite some time. This is what motivated Putin's invasion in 2014. This is what motivated, or theoretically, what motivated uh, his takeover of Crimea. All of this was supposedly in defense of these separatists who wanted to align with Russia and uh, get out of the Ukraine. The only problem with that theory is all the separatists came from Russia, right? And there really isn't a part of Ukraine that wants to be separate from Ukraine. It's Russians that have been slipping in there for quite some time. There is the idea that Putin has a legitimate concern about NATO camping on his front doorstep in Ukraine. That's, you know, there's some legitimacy to that, but... As you'll see, I don't believe that it really uh, would, would create the kind of scenario that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I understand NATO, he could interpret that as a threat, but NATO has never invaded anybody. And they're not going to invade Russia. 
And so if you look at NATO's reaction right now, NATO is avoiding conflict with Russia. So that doesn't really add up. Then, of course, there's the possibility that Putin has gone nuts. He'd been nuts a long time. There's the theory of the invasion of the body snatchers and that Putin is actually an imposter from the planet Remulek. I suppose that all of these are possibilities, but none of them really make sense. If you sit down and you analyze all of the theories, there are some threads that cross over between theories and have a certain element of logic to them, but none of them explain really what's going on there. The truth of the matter is that Putin's invasion of the Ukraine simply makes no sense. There is nothing to be gained by it. Sure, he could get a couple of slivers of Ukraine, or he could get the whole nation of Ukraine. And I understand that Ukraine is a very wealthy nation. I understand it has massive mineral oil resources, gas resources. It has been known throughout history as the breadbasket of Europe. It has amazing agricultural wealth. These are all things that I suppose Putin could desire, but the war and the international response to uh, Russia's invasion is going to uh, totally financially bankrupt Russia. The benefits they could get economically from invading the Ukraine are more than offset by the economic penalties they're going to face. We're talking about the nations of the world saying, we're done trading with Russia. We're done buying from Russia, except America. I won't go there. You could say, well, it's, it's uh, Putin's desire to regain territory that was lost it was lost a long time ago, and there's not that much to be gained just because they get some geography back on their map. It doesn't justify risking World War III. And the whole world knows that. That's why the whole world is scratching its head, saying, what are you doing? Why have you set things in motion that could have enormous consequence? that could lead to a genuine third world war. How many of you understand the first two wars, uh, World War I and World War II, started under very similar kinds of shenanigans, very small geopolitical problems exploded into world wars because crazy people did crazy things. So it doesn't really make sense. Russia's invasion of Ukraine doesn't add up, and it doesn't smell right. And as you look at all of the news and all of the various theories, there are so many blank spots, there are so many things that are left unexplained and untold that this has a completely different kind of a feel than anything I've ever been through personally, Vietnam or any of that, any of the wars of Iraq and Afghanistan, things that we've been involved in. It's, it's a whole different beast. And that's why I believe that the only way you can explain what Russia is doing right now is Ezekiel 38. Actually, Ezekiel 36 through 39. Those four chapters focus on what is happening right now. I believe they explain why the Russian bear has come out of its cave 
and is taking the actions that it's taking. So let me walk you through these uh, chapters quickly and give you a reason for why we're seeing what we're seeing. Chapter 36 and 37 of Ezekiel are talking about the greatest miracle that has ever happened apart from Jesus Christ, and that is the restoration of Israel uh, or the Jew to Israel in 1948. This is the most remarkable fulfillment of prophecy that you can ever point your finger at. It's never happened in history. There has never been a people or a nation that has dissolved into the world and been absorbed by all the hostile nations, uh, lost its identity, lost its right to rule, lost its uh, uh, position of government, uh, lost its existence as a country, and then resurfaced again. That's never happened. But it was prophesied by God long before it ever happened. God said in his word it would happen. And Ezekiel Chapters 36 and 37 confront that very thing, along with many, many, many other prophecies that we're not going to go into. I want to hone in on the Ezekiel prophecies. In Ezekiel 36, essentially, what we have, the entire chapter addresses the return of Israel and the prosperity of Israel as it returns. So, Ezekiel 36, 24 says, For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back, into your own land. Now, we've all heard prophecies that run along that, that line, line but, that's, but that's telling us. God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to bring you from Russia, Poland, Eastern Europe. I'm going to bring you down into Israel. I'm going to bring you from the nations of the earth, and I'm going to bring you back to your own land. Verses 29 and 30 of Ezekiel uh, 36. Save I will save you from you all from your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. And will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field. So that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Israel is one of the most amazing agricultural nations on the planet. It has more varieties of crop than any nation in the world. It has developed fruitfulness in inexplicable ways. There are five different climates in Israel that explains all the different fruit and vegetables that they are capable of growing. They have tomato plants in Israel that produce ten times more tomatoes than any tomato plant in the world. Now, some of you who don't like tomatoes are not impressed. doesn't matter whether you like tomatoes or not. How would they get these plants to be so fruitful. Uh, They're smart. No, they have a God who's in charge of how many tomatoes per plant. (laughs) Amen. Ezekiel 36, verses 34 and 35, the desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. I would recommend you to read a book by a man named George George Gilder called The Israel Test, if you have not read it. This is one of the most remarkable uh, books dealing with the incredible blessing of God on the nation of Israel. Israel leads the world in education, 
in science, in health, in agriculture, in military power. It leads the world. This tiny little nation that's no bigger than New Jersey leads the world in every possible arena. Read the book. It is as eye-opening as anything that you've ever read, and it is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 36. This was a malarial swamp before the Jews returned in 1948. Nothing grew there. There were no harvests. There was nothing. There were Bedouins and nomads that wandered through the land that never cultivated any of it. It was an absolutely hostile climate. But when the Jews returned and God stepped into that arena, this is what happened. The fulfillment of Ezekiel 36. Chapter 37 is that well-known vision of the dry bones and the creation of an army from the corpses that littered a valley. And we all remember the story. God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, not being foolish, says, well, I don't know. How do bones live? You know God, right? He's not going there. He's simply not going there. God says, well, prophesy to them. The bones reassemble themselves, the hip bone connected to the thigh bone, the thigh bone connected to the ankle bone, and they all come together, and then God clothes them with, with uh, sinew and blood vessel and flesh, and then he says, prophesy and speak life into these uh, dead bones, and uh, and the breath comes into them, and uh, uh, this produces an army, a full army. And again, I believe this points to the military prowess of Israel. From 1948 to today, Israel has, has conquered in five major wars and any number of terrorist Activities, the Intifada and all of the various things that have taken place in recent years. Israel has not only survived, but they have, they have actually grown. They have taken territory, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, the Lebanon War, the Arab War. All of these wars brought more and more uh, uh, geography to Israel gave them more and more dominion over the area that they lived in. And it is really unthinkable how little tiny Israel has been able to defeat every nation that has come against it since they came into existence in 48. That includes Russia. They kicked Russia's butt. Amen. All the Arab nations, we're going to drive you into the ocean. Well, good luck with that. That hasn't worked out well for them at all. And so I mentioned Ezekiel 36 and 37 to explain why Russia is so interested in Israel. Beyond the purely satanic motivation, because we understand that um, the communist mindset is a spiritual mindset, and the truth of communism is it represents everything that God is against, right? And all of the madness of socialism and communism that we see going on in America today is a spiritual phenomenon. You can try to identify it as political, but you can't separate the politics from the spiritual reality. So uh, 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 Russia has always been anti-Semitic. 
There have been pogroms and purges throughout their history. They have always been against the Jew. And when Israel got their own nation, Russia uh, not only supplied all kinds of military and uh, weapons to the surrounding areas, but actually involved themselves in the warfare, and they have wanted to destroy Russia for as long as I can remember. And that's a long time, regardless of what Sol- uh, Donald said about memory. Uh, he has no excuse for his memory problems. I have many years on me, and so he'll have to explain that himself. Don't blame it on my spirit. (laughs) I'm just having fun with him. Hallelujah. But beyond the satanic hatred of Israel, there is such remarkable prosperity in Israel that I've already briefly outlined, and I really recommend the book, uh, The Israel Test by George Gilder. And I'm sure there are other books that are just as enlightening, but that one really impressed me. And so, beyond the spiritual dynamic, you're talking about a mineral wealth in Israel. In the Dead Sea alone, there are minerals that you can't find anywhere else in the world. And Israel, uh, rather, Russia covets that mineral wealth. But here's the real catch. Nine years ago, Israel discovered trillions, trillions of cubic feet of natural gas directly off the coast in the Mediterranean. Russia makes all its money on natural gas. They have oil reserves as well, so does Israel. Russia used to have the only pipeline of uh, of natural gas into Europe. They had a monopoly. And the the bottom line is the reason why NATO won't rise up against Russia is because Russia will turn their heat off. They just turn off their natural gas. They got all their natural gas from Russia until nine years ago. When Israel discovered natural gas off of their coast in the Mediterranean, the first thing they did was build a pipeline across Turkey into Europe. And they became Russia's sole competitor. They cut Russia's monopoly in wealth in half, and they supply a huge amount of natural gas to Europe. Well, what do you think... Putin thinks of that. He thinks of that the same thing that Bill Gates thinks about Apple. Right? It's no wonder that Steve Jobs is dead. That's a conspiracy theory. In fact, I just made that up. You got to be pretty quick to keep up with me. But the bottom line is that there are profound economic reasons for Russia to want to come down against Israel. And what does our text say about this? Our text says that God will put a hook in Russia's jaw, specifically in Gog's jaw. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And draw him into a conflict that he may not even want to be a part of. He may not be able to explain, why are you doing this? Well, it's a hook in the jaw. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, 
and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Chapters 38 and 39 describe the upcoming war that Israel will have with Russia and her allies. Ezekiel 38 verses 3 to 5 says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will be with them, all with shields and helmets. There is no reason to believe that this will will take place after the rapture. This is not Armageddon. This is not the book of Revelation. This is a separate war that is called out in Scripture prophetically. And I believe by the time we're done with this sermon, you'll know why it probably will happen while we're here. It probably will Uh, tie into the rapture in a profound way. So if you'll show the next slide, which is a map, and I'm going to use this nifty laser laser. pointer that uh, uh, Daryl gave me at least a year ago, two years, now he's saying three years, three years I've been carrying this thing around, and I tried it this morning and it didn't work work. because the batteries batteries died in it. I have never used it. It's been sitting in my briefcase. But I get to use the pointer. Yes, it does. I was so excited. There it is. There's the little red beanie. You all see the little Tinkerbell there? All right. Gog and Magog, right? We're talking about, what are we talking about? We're talking about Russia. Togerma, uh, Meshach, and Tubal. Meshach and Tubal, this particular map puts them in Turkey. Togerma is the Stan regions. Tchachistan, Tchachistan, fall down Stan, get back up Stan. All the Stans. Stan, Lee, Stan. All the Stans live over here. If your name is Stan, you should be living over here. 
This is Togerma, okay? I'm not sure about Meshach and Tubal. That is one uh, debatable thing. If you look up maps of Ezekiel, prophetic maps, you'll see some discrepancies because, you know, the vote isn't in on all of this. But basically, what are, we, what are we dealing with with all these various things that are being named? Put is Libya. Cush uh, is Ethiopia. But more than modern Ethiopia, it includes modern Sudan. So again, uh, we know that Sudan, Libya, Turkey, Persia, which is Iran, all of these countries are hostile to Israel right now. And many of them, especially Iran, is, is joined, joined at, the at the hip with Gog and Magog, which is Russia. So all of these nations that are named in our text and in uh, further reading of Ezekiel point at these, uh, these, this alliance that is going to be drawn in as the bear moves down from uh, uh, Russia, and moves against Israel. Now, why would that be, why would that tell us anything about Ukraine? It's not mentioned. Well, look at the geography here. If, if Russia doesn't come after Ukraine and then yeah, move down through Romania and Bulgaria, move down through Turkey, which is an ally of Russia right now, if Russia doesn't have this land bridge right here, this little tiny land bridge, if Russia, Russia doesn't have that, then the only way it can access Israel is one way, right? But classic military strategy is get them in a pincer. What are we looking at? We're looking at if we can move through Ukraine and move right into, and this is the language of the hour. They're talking about how Romania and Bulgaria and Moldavia are all next in line. This is, this is what all the talking heads are talking about. Ukraine is going to come after it here. I'm sorry, Russia is going to come conquer Ukraine and then move through here so that it can come down through this little land bridge on the west side of the Black Sea. Now we have a pincer. We have Russia coming through here, and we have Russia coming across here. Strategically, that is a very desirable situation for Russia. What we are looking looking at, at, we're we're not looking at Russia invading Ukraine. We are, we're looking at the beginning of Russia invading Israel. We're looking at the jaw of Israel, of uh, Russia rather, being hooked and pulled in to a war that is ultimately a run-up to Armageddon, which comes a short time after the Ezekiel War, and that war draws who out? China. And who is... Holding hands with Russia right now. China. And we are watching it in our generation. And you're all going. I am talking about the end of the world as you know it. I am talking about God's prophet. We have talked about the rapture as long as I've been a Christian. And I've been a Christian for 40-some-odd years, right? I got saved in 74. When I got saved, all the talk was, Jesus is coming back. The late great planet Earth came out as a book, and it absolutely swept the world by storm. And everybody became aware, whoa, Jesus is coming back. You know what? 
Wow, Jesus is coming back. Amen. And it has never been so obvious. And it has never been such a concrete aligning of all the prophecy that we've ever heard of. How many of you know right now, right now, as I speak, they are planning to change all hard currency into digital currency. It is already in the works. It's already being done. Why? Because authoritarian governments can't control you unless they can control your money. And the only way they can control your money is if, it, if your money is digital. Then they can watch where you spend every penny. They'll know who tithes here better than I do. It's all happening right now, right in front of your fotch, which is Italian for face. <laughs> so while the world stands by and seems powerless to do anything, the response of Russia against Ukraine, the world is all sitting around going, you shouldn't do that, but they're not doing anything. It's a toothless protest. If we really wanted to stop, Israel, uh, stop Russia, we'd just stop buying oil and gas from them, right? Europe says we're not buying anymore. America says we're not buying anymore. Why do you think Biden doesn't want us drilling anywhere? Because it keeps us completely dependent on foreign sources. Biden is not your friend. And if you voted for him, shame on you. Okay. I can feel you. I can feel the handful of you out there that haven't tripped to the fact that you elected a, 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 a complete idiot. Okay. I'll leave it at that. All right? Okay, we'll deal with it. If you have questions, come talk to me. Your salvation is not based on your Democratic or your Republican alliance. You can be whatever you want, but if you're voting that way, you're voting the wrong way. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe you're actually a prophet, and you are helping God's prophecy come to pass. That's a whole other spin on it, right? When I start going there, my brain just shuts down and goes, I, I can't deal with that. Maybe I should have voted for him. Maybe that way the rapture would already be here. My point is this. God is in control. As powerless as we all are to do anything about all this, God is doing exactly what he wants to do. And that is the point behind all of this. Because Ezekiel 39, verses, uh, I'm sorry, let's start with 38, verse 23. So, so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So that's why this is all happening. That's why I said earlier, I believe it's going to happen before we're out of here. Because this is God's final wake-up call. This entire uh, series of events is God shaking the world. And what he's going to do to Russia, he's going to draw them out with hooks in their jaw, and then he's going to wipe them out. So listen to chapter 39, verses 6 to 8. I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in safety in the coastlands. and They will know that I am the Lord. 
I will make known my holy name among the, my people Israel. I will no longer let my holy name be profaned. And the nations will know that I, the Lord, am the Holy One in Israel. It is coming. It will surely take place, declares the Sovereign Lord. This is the day I have spoken of. Questions? Verses 12 to 16, for seven months, this is the consequence and the fallout of God wiping out the armies of Gog and Magog and of, of, of Put and Cush and these other armies that come against them. Listen to what it says, verses 12 to 16. For seven months, the Israelites will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them. And the day I display my glory will be, memor- will be a memorable day for them declares the sovereign Lord. People will be continually employed in cleansing the land. They will spread out across the land, and along with others, they will bury any bodies that are lying on the ground. After seven months, they will carry out a more detailed search. As they go through the land, anyone who sees a human bone will leave a marker beside it until the grave diggers bury it in the valley of Haman Gog near a town called Hamana, and so they will cleanse the land. Verses 21 and 22, I will display my glory among the nations, and all the nations will see the punishment I inflict and the hand I lay on them. For that day, for from that day forward, the people of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God. Right? So what's happening? This is God's final wake-up call. Get on or get run over. Right? Because after this comes the rapture. You're either saved and you're going to go home to be with Jesus or you're going to be left behind. And you're saying, oh, well, that's what I'm waiting for. You're an idiot. What is wrong with you mentally? Why would you want to be here for something that is so horrific, so hellacious that it makes Ezekiel 39 look tame. Read the book of Revelations. That's what you're signing up for. That's what you're saying you want to be a part of. If you think life is weird right now, just hang around. After we're gone, you're going to see things that you never thought possible. You are going to see demons manifesting. You are going to see the world with God's gracious hand taken off it. And not only that, not only does all of Satan and everything that his kingdom want to do come to play, but then God adds to it and says, now, let me show you some real power. And he starts raining down things and killing off all kinds of people. And it's a terrible book. The book of Revelation is terrible. The only good part about the book of Revelation is I'm not in it. (laughs) And if you're a Christian, neither are you. We get balcony seats... And we get to watch the whole thing play out. Whoa, ooh, ow, that left a mark. Ooh, And then we all get to jump on our horses and ride in and rescue planet Earth. Isn't that cool? I don't know what it all means, but it's going to be really cool. But I want to say that before we leave, you've got to get as many people saved as we can. It's happening, beloved. I was just talking to... Uh, who was it? Junior. I was talking to Junior this morning at men's uh, class, and, and he came up to me with his Junior wide-eye look. You know, Junior, he's got these 
He's got these eyes, and he said, boy, it's really happening, isn't it? I said, yes, it is, sir. He goes, we're really going to get out of here. I said, yes, we are. <laughs> See, beloved, it's beyond speculation anymore. It's coming down. So what are you going to do about it? Just going to let them all go to hell? Not tell anybody? Not make them aware of how close they are? Amos describes a harvest in the last days. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. So he's talking about the agriculture cycle being offset because of the enormity of the harvest. That's really what he's getting at. He's saying that the reapers are overtaken by the plowmen because they should be done by now, but there's so much to reap that we're already into the next next season and we're plowing because there's so much to reap. We're talking about a harvest unlike anything in history. And what that means to us is we need to get busy. What does the Russian invasion to the Ukraine mean to us? It means you better get busy. It means we have very little time to get people saved. We have very little opportunity left. There is a massive harvest, and then we're out of here. The day is upon us. Look up, your redemption draweth nigh. Maranatha, the Lord comes. I want every head bowed. Every eye closed. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.